you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is the first episode of Removing Barriers. Let's talk about why are we removing barriers. All right. Why do you want to do this? Well, I think that in the day and time that we live, things are quite tumultuous. Um, This isn't the first, we're not the first group of people that have lived through tumultuous times, obviously, but uh, it brings to bear a lot of questions that people have, a lot of concerns that they have, um, a lot of fears. There's a lot of people out there that's already addressing some of these things, a lot of conservative voices. Do we want to be another conservative voice? Uh, It doesn't hurt. There aren't many of them out there. But more than being a conservative voice, I think that one of the things that we're trying to do is present the gospel in such a way, or at least talk to people or talk to the audience in such a way that would help them see the cross clearly. So hence the Removing Barriers title of the podcast. Right, I think that in the U.S. especially, that the culture has changed so much, but the method of presenting the gospel has remained the same in terms of a lot of folks would go out and preach and or they would tell folks how to be saved by saying, Jesus love you, repent and be saved, without ever really dive into what is really blocking that person from seeing the cross clearly. I remember... I think it was like five years ago now, I was at door-to-door knocking on the door, and I met a Jewish man. His name was Aaron, and he had a bunch of questions, a bunch of questions. And I, of course, I wanted to leave because it was really going nowhere. But, because, but I, fo- I found myself using a lot of apologetics argument to this man to defend whatever he was putting up. And at the end, he was, we were able to share the gospel with him. And both he and his wife said to us, wow, we have never heard the gospel presented that way before. And that prompted me to start thinking, is apologetic arguments necessary for the presentation of the gospel? And I would say, no, they're not. But I like what Ravi Zacharias said when I was doing this research. He said that apologetic arguments have never saved anybody, but they do remove obstacles so they can have a clear view of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I think we need to do that at times as Christians uh, to remove those obstacles or remove those barriers so we can give folks a clear view of the cross. And today is systemic racism, it's Black Lives Matter, it's police brutality. Are these things real? You know, we have a lot of conservative voices out there on YouTube and all over, but a lot of them are not doing it in the light of the gospel. And we want to try to do it in the light of the gospel. So why are we doing this? I, I harken back to Simon Sinek. He said, start with why. And we want to start with why because, as I said before, I see a lot of Christians want to present the gospel, but they're not taking the time to remove the barriers. And I believe, as Zachariah, Zachariah, Ravi Zachariah said, if you do remove those barriers, a lot of folks will have a much clearer view of the cross. Yeah, so it's multifaceted, right? I mean, uh, obviously, spiritually speaking, we can't do anything to 
um, make it easier or make it possible for someone to actually hear the gospel and let it sink into their hearts. So it's that's not the work just of the Holy Spirit, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we would ob- obviously need to do something like this prefaced by prayer, prefaced by relying on <clears throat> the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because ultimately what we're talking about is for people to completely, it's, it's, it, I don't even think the the term paradigm shift is is enough to explain what it's like to be removed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Um, I remember um, that uh, we purchased a book by Ken Ham. Um, and the Lie. I think it was the lie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how we're talking to like pe- people back in the uh, uh, apostle days, and even before that, when you were talking to them about the things of God, that group of people already knew, they already had a framework. They already had an understanding of what you were right. referring to. Um, nowadays, uh, it's not it's not a stretch to say that the overwhelming majority of people in this country are ignorant about the scriptures. They're well, ignorant. That's about true, and. Um even in the the, sun, the Sunday school lesson that that I teach, is that when I do the 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 methods part one, yeah, we talk about we talk about the lie with Ken Ham as well, but we also talk about comparing Acts chapter two with Acts chapter seventeen, which right. Ken Ham outlined in his book as well, the lie, and in Acts chapter two, you know, the day of Pentecost, you know, the apostles were talking to Jews and they were, they started at Christ. They talk about the same Christ that you crucified is your Messiah. They talk up. They present to them Christ. But if you go to Acts chapter seventeen, they didn't start at Christ. They go all the way back to Genesis because that was the the barrier that the people in Acts chapter seventeen had. The people in Acts chapter two, the barrier they had was is Jesus Christ the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And we saw, and and this is nothing new because we saw that even in the way the Christ. Our Lord and Savior present the gospel. He presented the gospel to the woman at the well differently than how he presented the gospel to the young rich ruler. You know, he presented the gospel in to Nicodemus differently than how he presented to all of them. Because what was the barrier for Nicodemus? What was the barrier for the woman at the well? What was the barrier for the young rich ruler? They right. all have different barriers. So he came, the message was the same, but the way he approached it was different. I think what we have today is that we have a lot of uh, Christians who are presented the gospel to people they believe are Acts chapter two, but they actually actually Acts chapter seventeen. And so we are we are missing the mark with 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 a barrier because sadly today, as I said, I think I said before, in America we are living in most people are living in Acts chapter seventeen world. They where they believe in evolution or they believe in. All these postmodern ideas, cultural, and and cultural stuff that are going yep. on today, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of them have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and because of that, we are still presenting the gospel as they like they Acts chapter two, but they actually Acts chapter seventeen. That's right. one of the reasons, even though I really like tracks and I do give out tracks, that's one of the reasons I believe that us opening our mouths and really presenting the gospel is more important than actually handing out tracks because mm-hmm. we can then say, hey. You know, we're not pre-written. We're not, we're not um, programmed to present it everything one way. We can do, as I said in the um, in my Sunday school class, a spiritual diagnostic. What is preventing this person from being saved? You know, if the, if you go to the doctor and every time you go to the doctor, the doctor give you cold cold medicine, no matter what you have, there's something wrong. And and that's kind of what we're doing when we present the gospel. If we never 
look at the person and say, hey, what is this? What is really blocking this person? Do a diagnostic of the person, and then we can also then do a, a decide what direction to come from in presenting the gospel. The message remained the same, but the approach should be different. And in this world, it needs to be. It needs to be because let's look at our society today. Absolutely. Yeah. So. So that's that's the that's the why behind of this. That's why we really want to get down to the root of it. What are some of the stuff? What are some of the barriers that we are, we're going to be looking at? Yeah, barriers. Uh, you mentioned a few of them already. Um, you mentioned Black Lives Matter, systemic racism, racism in general. Um, but it's it's so multifaceted. Um, it because like for example, if we're going to be talking to um, let's say um, a, a, a black person. The barriers that 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 prevent them from seeing the cross clearly will be different from any other person. Like I know we talk all the time about how black people aren't a monolith. There, there's a completely the, even within that group, there are so many of them that think differently. Even within that demographic, we have to contend with uh, Pan-Africanism, um, Marxism, um, the uh, systemic issues that they feel like and they see that they're experiencing as a people or even individually that would lead them to believe that, you know, if there's a God, he doesn't really care about me because look at all of these terrible things happening. Right. Or, and yeah. These barriers don't necessarily need to be real, you know. Right. Yeah, that's does, another does good have point. They just have to be real to the person. Exactly. They just need to be perceived. Right. And that's more than enough for. Right. And I, right. I think some of, some of it, I think we definitely need to hit on Black Lives Matter um, and their mission, what, what do they believe? What do they teach? In is particular, it, because it, they have biblical. such a yeah, they have such a grip on the culture of the of the uh, country now. So you see them everywhere. Uh, celebrities are, are are endorsing them. They're on the news all the time. Sports. It's everywhere. It's in the campuses um, or on the campuses. And so it, it, there's a huge cultural fight. It's not even well. It's only recently become quite political. But I think that's only because it's be, it's been gaining cultural fire. Oh. Time, right? I don't know, but recently they established <laughs> in 2013, um, not because they, they claim it was because of police brutality, but right. with Chevron Martin, with Chevron it, was, Martin. it wasn't mm-hmm. police brutality. But I think they have morphed into more of a political arm to no doubt to push their agenda. But we'll deal we we'll deal with that in another in another, in another episode. episode. We'll talk about George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor. Um, you said you wanted to talk about biblical womanhood, biblical manhood. Yeah, those are those are huge. Um, I, I really do think that biblical womanhood, biblical manhood needs to be addressed because the role of men and women, both in the home and in the world, has been completely turned on its head. So another barrier that we're going to have to contend with is the idea of if feminism is going to be another idea that we're going to have to contend with or, or a barrier that we need to address. Um, and particularly within... Um, within the black community, especially I see this, is a complete divorcing of um, biblical standards and 
and manhood and womanhood, and it has. It's not just in a black family, though. Oh no, not society. Yeah, at large. And I and and the reason why I pinpoint on the black family is because the black family has already been ravaged by the effects of, of. uh, political pol- uh, policies and other things in general that serve to break down the family, and so I think that when we go back um, and est- and and evaluate what God established in Genesis, uh, one of the first things He established was the family. We have to go back to the biblical idea of manhood and womanhood in order to address those barriers. As well. Oh, definitely, and um, some others that I I think about is like we we need to also maybe address some of the barriers as within the Chris, Christianity itself, we're not going to necessarily argue um, docu- um, doctrine along doctrine lines and stuff like that, um, but we also need to encourage Christians sure. to consider the, the, the way they're sharing the gospel. I right. think that's a barrier for some because some pe- folks, to be honest, are scared to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, that's probably just a human factor and also a lack of trust in God, but... The, you know, the scriptures tell us to contend for the faith, right? To be ready to give an answer, be ready in season, out of season. And I think a lot of Christians just feel like they, they feel cornered. Like if they open up their mouths and speak, oh, someone might think I'm a bigot or someone might think this. The, this does, one of the desires that I have for this podcast is to equip believers to um, be bold but also to be loving and engaging and to reach out and not just, like you said earlier, just hand out a tract and think that you were actually doing what you were supposed to be doing. You're, you're, ac- you're actually engaging people, um, even if it means having these tough conversations that need to be right. had. And um, I think sometimes, especially what our culture today call refer as white, white folks, right. culturally, most people will say we are black. Um, biblically, we are all human, human right. race. Um, I don't like the division uh, along um, racial lines, but we are black. Uh, culturally, that's what they will peg us at. Um, but both of us have a unique background because I was born and raised in the Caribbean. You were born and raised in Florida, but by Caribbean parents. Mm-hmm. So we have unique perspectives on that. We also want to talk about, look at the black community, I mean, as diverse as it is in America. Why is it that, you know, immigrants for me and your second generation that we don't for most part necessarily don't identify with with the the black american culture because i don't identify with black american culture um and i'm to some extent you don't need even though you're raised in the country so there's a there's a there's a lot of cultural differences in the in the among black people as well that we need to talk about and also maybe hope to hopefully encourage our Caucasian friends, yeah, you can talk about Black Lives Matter. You can you can openly say you disagree with Black Lives Matter if that's the case, as long as you're standing on biblical grounds. And um, I think that's fair, and that's um, something you can do, and it also remove those barriers and share yeah, the gospel. Yeah, deal with that fear of man, yeah. yeah. yeah so, why are we doing this? Ultimately, our goal is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We want to share the gospel, or um, I'm anticipating that our audience, maybe if anyone listens to this podcast, will be probably majority Christians. But I'm hoping that we have a lot of unsafe people listening to, to this podcast as well. Just because we, I, be, I personally believe that the gospel is that bridge, is that, 
all these things have been answered in the gospel. Right. Racism and all this since this police brutality and all these things that people are going on have been answered the gospel. That's why um I have really been watching the NBA since it started back up, but Jonathan Isaac um response to why he didn't kneel for the national anthem mm-hmm. was was great. I don't I don't really know the young man that well I don't know him at all. Even though I do follow the NBA, not as much as before, but um, I never heard of him before. Of course, he's not LeBron James and all those folks that everyone knows. But I, you know, I was proud to see a young man stand up and say, "Hey, the reason why I'm doing it is because because of the gospel, and the gospel and have answered all this." So, what is the gospel? Yeah, you, you know what you bring you bring up a good point when you say what is the gospel because do you remember how the reporter, the first reporter, the female reporter that was, she let him answer and then she followed it up with a question that said, yeah, but what does religion have to do with this? The The, the fact that she not, not only asked that question, but also number two, phrased it that way, demonstrates a greater truth, a greater reality in the in the greater part of society where they have no clue what the gospel is. And so they have they can't see how it relates they can't see how it's a solution they can't see how it can address those things the fact that she even asked that question would demonstrate that and so one of the things we want to do is to explain how the gospel is the solution there's a lot of barriers to remove of course that's why we call this podcast remove barriers right and i and i like his answer because he he basically said that a paraphrase that he's not he's not into religion he's the relationship, relationship with Jesus Christ, yeah. and that's what a lot of folks don't do, don't realize. True biblical Christianity is not a religion; it is a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's what we're trying to foster and encourage people to to have by repenting, repentant faith in Jesus Christ, establishing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um. So, why don't we get into the gospel? All right. Well. I feel like I need to clarify the word gospel because when people hear that at large, they might just be thinking of, you know, that really soulful kind of black church music, like, oh, and all of that, like gospel music. Um, Or they might be thinking of whatever they might be thinking of. But simply put, the gospel just means good news. Yep. That's that's literally what the word gospel means. And folks may wonder, well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is that there is an answer. There is a solution. There is an explanation for all of these things that we see in the world today. And I'm not being too simplistic about this. This is legit, straight. The gospel is the answer, the solution, and the explanation for everything that we see in the world today. And... According to the scriptures, the content, the meat, the essence of the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you might be wondering, well, why does, what does the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ have to do? Why why did he have to die? Exactly. So let's take it apart, right? Why did he even have to die? Well, the reason Christ had to die was because, is because, God, who is creator, he is God. He is the originator of 
everything. Like, this is his playground. This universe that we're living in is literally his playground. He made all the rules. He established everything. And he has laws. Let's call them rules. No, laws. That he expects his creation to abide by. Why? Because this is his house. He runs this. You all may hear about him. Um, I'm sure most of the people listening have probably heard some reference to the Ten Commandments. May not be able to tell them all, tell all what they are. But at least most people, I would say, have at least heard of the term the Ten Commandments. Those are God's laws. Those are God's laws, and we've broken those laws. Like, for example, the very first commandment, the very first commandment explains that um, you shall have no other gods before me. So what does that mean? Don't have any other gods before me. In other words, you can't, now when we think about it, we think about Israel and all their idols and all of their like uh, uh, physical uh, replicas of, of imagined or, or right. a type of uh, mythical creatures or whatever. But really, if you are living in such a way that demonstrates that you're your own boss and you're you're living according to your own ideas that's an idol that you've erected in your own heart right you're like your own god and god says don't have any other gods before me that's that's one that's one commandment uh and all the others that that we could spit out don't lie yeah and don't go the, ahead. the important thing here is that all of us have broken those we've broken them at one point or another, it doesn't matter how good you think you are. It doesn't matter how good we think we are, I should say, because we're all included in this, right? All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned before God. And sin is when you do something that is contrary to God's law. In other words, you break God's law or his law tells you to do something and you didn't do it. Right. And uh, the important thing here is that when you think about God's law, God's law actually condemned us because yeah. when you when you when you think about it that god say thou shall not lie thou shall not steal jesus in the new testament even take it a little bit further because you know lying you know you action um stealing another action but jesus just say you know what if you look at a woman and lust after her you already commit adultery in your heart it goes down to the heart if you if you um even money you, you, material, material stuff, or even the stuff I do, uh, you alluded to. If you have those, those things above Christ, those now become an, an idol. idol. Yeah. So the the law actually, it, as in Galatians, where he says that he's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, because it condemns us. He point to us and say, "Hey, you have failed." The Bible says, "Um, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." And when I was in college, my teacher would say, "All means all." And that's all all means. You know, no one is left out when you say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I remember I was listening to someone speak once and they say that food was the great equalizer. No, it's not. Food is not the great equalizer. The great equalizer for all men is debt, I believe. I believe it's debt. But what is the cause of debt? Mm -hmm. Sin is a cause of debt because of Adam, Adam's sin. Debt come upon all men for all have sinned. So, if that is a great equalizer, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, now it's appointed unto man wants to die, but and after this is a judgment. judgment. So the rich die, the poor die, the middle class die. Mm -hmm. And all of us have to face our maker once we die. 
Right. Because one of the things that one of the things that is a punishment for uh, sin, as you as you as you said, or not even punishment, the wages of sin. That's what you earn every time you sin. You're clocking in and you're earning you're earning death for yourself. You're earning death for yourself. Um, and he has said in his word, remember, this is his playground. The universe is his like this is his domain. He's created everything. And he has declared that the soul that sins shall die. Yep. So it doesn't matter what we would grade our sin to be. You know how people talk about, oh, I didn't tell a big lie. I just told a little white lie as if there's a difference. No, no, no. Before a holy and righteous and infinitely pure God, which God is, your white lie is just as damnable as a, a, a conspiracy, the biggest lie. You know what I mean? Right. But also we, we also stress on the point that not only sin caused death, but and if we define spiritual death, spiritual death is actually separation from God. Yeah. All the sin has actually separated us from God. Right. And now man, on a whole, is on a quest to find that favor back with God. Right. And that's what every religion in the world tries to answer. Right. How do I find favor with God? And every religion, except for true biblical Christianity, which we already said is not a religion, is relationship tell you must do something you must you must do something to find favor with god whether it's giving money whether it's um sacrificing to idols whether it's bowing being a good down, person being a good person that's a big one um that's probably the biggest one in our community yeah. um people believe they they get to heaven because they're good that's sin separate from god man is on a quest to try to f- bridge that find that favor with God, but they're all doing it either by, by saying, hey, I'm going to do something to find favor with God. Yeah. Biblical Christianity said, you cannot do anything to find favor with God. Because why? Because as we said before, because you're a sinner. And a sinner, as a sinner, you cannot present anything holy and just to God. Right. You cannot do so. So Christ had to die. reason why he had to die is because the reason for the riches of sin is that Christ paid that penalty for you on the cross his death on the cross was that payment so like for example if you were in jail or if you were if you were caught red-handed committing a crime and you appear before the judge and the judge says to you okay well for what you did you have earned or you're going to the the electric chair or you're going to you know you you get the death penalty um but there's a there's a stipulation in the law that explains that if that has if that fine or if that fee has been paid in full, you can be released, free to go. Even though you were guilty, the payment of that of that fee of that fine, that of requirement, that offense. that offense, exactly, has been paid in full. Legally, God, who is just, can let you go. He can he can he can declare you uh, not guilty he can declare you um sinless as it were like he he can he can what we use the term redeem you save you and declare you righteous and legally can let you go that's what christ did on the cross um and and i and i think maybe some of that stems back to a faulty like when people tr- when, when people think about um what christ did they they almost cheapen it in the sense that, oh, my sin is not that bad. God is not that mad at me. Why would God be mad at me? I'm a good person. I'm this, that, or the other. But when you look at your sin in the reality as facing a holy God, 
that's when you realize, oh, the, the weight of your sin, the magnitude of it, not because of what we, how bad we think it is, but because of who God is, how infinite and holy and pure and righteous he is, how he's like, like, even if we think about it on the base level, how he's provided for us, the sun, the cloud, the moon, the rain, the, 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 the food that we eat, our families, every good grace that he has given to us, the air, we use the air, the, his air that we breathe is in our lungs and we use it to sin against him. Right, and the Bible says, of course, in Hebrews, um, not Hebrews, but Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercies, he saved us by right. the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And that's actually Titus 3, 5, not Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But that says, for by grace are he saved through faith right. and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right. So, 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 when, so, when, so when the scriptures tell us that it's the grace of God that saves us, Grace is, grace is when you are given something that um, you don't deserve. Am I right? Am I getting those? Right. Yeah. Grace is when you're given something that you don't deserve. The criminal does not deserve mercy. The judge can decide to give it to him, but he doesn't deserve it. The, the, the way I normally look at grace and mercy, grace and mercy is norm, to me is the two side of the same coin. Of the same coin. If you, if you, expre- if you express mercy on the flip side you're expressing grace grace and that uh, god has extended that to us and we're saved by that through the conduit of faith right so when jesus declares that he is the way he is the truth and he is the life no one can come to the father but through him that gap that all of these religions are trying to breach or the the gap to god that they're trying to breach the cross already Exactly. Exactly. And so when you take Jesus at his word, when he says that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, that no man cometh to the Father but through him, when he says that whoever believes in him shall not see death, what did he tell? What did he tell uh, Lazarus' sister? uh, Was it uh, um, Martha? Though he die, yet will he live. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? You know, when he makes that promise, so so when we talk about faith, like he mentioned in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that faith is literally putting your trust and faith in what he has promised. He has promised that because he is God in the flesh, he is the sinless Holy One who bore God's wrath on the cross. He promises that whoever believes in him he will raise them up at the last day. He will redeem them. He will save them. That's what we mean when we talk about saved or salvation or redeemed. Though we were wretched and lost and sinful and just all sorts of uh, unworthy before God yeah, Christ. Yeah, and I think about but God commended his love towards us that while we were yet, yet sinners, sinners, Christ died for Christ us. Died so for as us. you were saying, while we were in that sin, mm-hmm. while we were still being unlovable, right? God... God sent his son as a demonstration of his love for us. And that's important, right? Because the idea of why we were unlovable, it highlights and and reminds us of the fact that there was never a time where we were lovable. We were always unlovable. Even when we were trying to do our best, our best is not good enough. We still fall short of the glory of of God. And I take it to um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. So how, how can a man be saved? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him. Believe and in faith. Call upon him. And he will, like, it, it, he will respond. He will because he said he would. He must. And yeah. he's gracious and he's loving and he's merciful and he wants to save us. Yeah, but not on our terms. And I'm looking at Romans 10 verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath with him from the dead thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And if you jump down to verse 13 therefore whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, shall be, be saved. saved. So the, the, that's the gospel as the Bible says according to the scripture the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ where Christ had to die because he took our place. The debt, his debt should have been our debt. We should have died for our sins because right. the Bible said the rages of sin is debt. Mm -hmm. But in order for us to pay, in order for Christ to pay the penalty for our sin, he had to be sinless. He cannot, we cannot, I cannot die for the sin of any man because I have my sin on myself. But because he didn't have any sin, he was the anointed one. He was able to die for the sin of all all men and while we were still in our sins he died for us and if we can, if we put our faith and trust repentant faith Bible said repent now of this thy wickedness and pray God that it props the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee if you repent of your sin and trust in Christ meaning that you're trust you all your hope to get to heaven and to fight favor of God is placed into what Christ has done for you upon the cross of Calvary you will be saved and saved, not just saved from the penalty of sin that got you in this predicament in the first place, but saved from the power of sin, saved from the influence of sin. Like before we were saved. From the wrath of God. From the wrath of God, absolutely. Um, because that, that, that penalty is saved. And when, when I, when I, or that penalty is paid. But when I mentioned the, um, the influence of sin. So before a person is in Christ, they are dominated by sin like they don't even have the option they can't even the, everything about them has been polluted by the fall and when i say the fall i mean the 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 first sin um uh that adam and eve sinned in the garden and that affected all of us and so all of your faculties your 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 intellectual capacity um uh, capabilities your your thoughts your heart everything about you is sinful before God and the Bible says that sin is like like your 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 taskmaster your slave master you're enslaved to it you have no option but to sin but when Christ saves you he breaks that power he has become your master and so you have the power in Christ God has given you that power in Christ to be free from the effect yeah, of sin. Yeah, just like the verse I, I just gave, the, the Bible says, thou shalt confess. Right. Well, the confession is agreeing with the charges against you. Right. God, God said the, charge, the charges against you is that you're a sinner and you, um, and you agree to that. You say, I'm a sinner. And also, I like what you say, if thou shalt confess with them out the Lord, he didn't say Congress, confess Christ to be the Lord, but if you, if you confess with them out the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a declarative statement saying that Jesus Christ is Lord. So now you, what you're confessing and agreeing to is that you're a sinner and yes, Christ is the Lord. 
you yeah. know, thou shalt be saved. That's, that's yeah. important because I know sometimes within our Christian realm, we want to say, okay, we make him Lord and Savior. I, Christ is Lord. Period. Period. What are we doing when we get saved is actually, no, we are confessing the fact that's, that's there, that he's Lord and we are sinner and we are, we are coming prostrate before his throne. Subjugating ourselves to that, right. and that lordship, for lack of a better expression. And with that, you don't get religion. You get a, you get a relationship right. and so if with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And if he's lord of everything, that's going to affect how you look at your world. It's going to affect how uh, we look at, we talked about Black Lives Matter. We talked about these, these huge barriers that we need to remove. Um, it's going to affect all of those things because Christ is lord over all of those things. Um, um, everything he's he's lord over creation ourselves everything and so when we subjugate ourselves and when, when we submit and we we appeal to him and we ask him to save us he breaks the power he, he he saves us he breaks the power of sin over us and now we can we have the scriptures we have the holy spirit we have him we can think clearly about these things we can see a little bit more clearly we could remove those barriers right yeah, definitely and um ultimately christ is the one who has remove the barriers yes he's the one who who um if we can see things through the prism of salvation realizing that we are all sinners we are all on the same level right we are all sinners you know does is is there such a thing as racism of course there is but racism is a sin Mm -hmm. you know just like lying stealing fornication and all those things they're 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 a sin christ has come as you said to break that power of sin upon your life and to Bible said that that we can have life and that more abundantly. So that's what we want to do is to present Christ as the answer to the social issues that we're going on. Again, as I said, there's many conservative voices out there, but we want to be a voice that present the gospel as the answer to our social issues and also to talk to some degree bluntly about some of the issues that are going on there. Right. So join us on our next episode as we delve into some of these barriers. And I think the next one, we'll talk about systemic racism, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers so we all can have a clear view of the cross.